folks going out to the West Coast. Some big trades, big-time manager. And, oh, by the way, in a couple of weeks, Dave and I are going to the West Coast. Welcome to Season 3. This is Episode 7 of the Bearded Car Cast. A it's of, a big day. It's a big day. Here. It's a big the day. The dogs are riled up. You almost oh got my assaulted God. coming I, in by my dogs. I don't think I yeah. can have children anymore. The dog just <laughs> clocked me. And Mike's dogs are not small. Well, Karma is. The other one is not. Uh, Faith is not. I suspect that Faith is not done growing. No, I don't think she is either. Yeah, she's and I think longer. she's going to be just as aggressive, irritable, and angry as... Uh, Full bred Husky. Yeah, her, her older friend. We are going to the West Coast in a couple of weeks. There's a lot going on out there right now. But but first, this is a big day. And it's a big day because my wife and I pick pumpkins out oh. and get flu shots on the same oh, day, wow. every day. And the pumpkin patch we like to go to is right by your house where ah, we're recording the podcast. Yeah. Oh, the right over oh, here on 51? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have pumpkins? Uh, not yet. We do have the pumpkin carving utensils ready to go, but we don't. They're not going to do you a great deal of good without pumpkins. We'll probably get them this week. We Where saw, will you get them? At the same place. Okay. Yeah, and get, well, that's a great spot because they do uh, pumpkins, and then uh, it's a great spot to get Christmas trees. Yeah. Not that you would. <laughs> you overpay for pumpkins at a pumpkin Although, patch, yeah. but I still somehow like the experience better than going to Home Depot or the grocery store. Well, what you need to do is find one of those places, and they're all over the place here. Uh, the more you, the, cold, the the further you get out of like town, if you will, uh, and you don't have to go that far. Uh, either go uh, Albemarle Road, or if you go down Johnson Road, and they'll have those like pumpkin patch places, you, which is more like farm to uh, store. Whereas this one is the one that we're talking about on Fifty One. People like ship stuff in. This is actually like going to farms and you can do well, sleigh the pumpkin, rides. The pumpkins on Fifty One come from Ohio, and I know that because I ask the people every year where their pumpkins came from. Right? They don't have pumpkins in North Carolina. Well, I think they do. There's probably somewhere in North Carolina. Says the Carolina. guy who went to New Hampshire to get a dog. So <laughs> <laughs> there's probably somewhere where we could drive and actually like. I don't think you can pick your own pumpkins, so to speak, but yeah, but get them from the. From the farm. We did, uh, when John was younger, we would go out off Albemarle Road, or F, I guess 49, way out. I mean, this was like 40 minutes from, from where we live. And but it, but it was a great thing. They had like a hayride, and they did you could you could pick your pumpkins, and then you, they had a little store that you could go in and get like hot chocolate. So it was so a on fun the, day. So if it was raining, and it's raining today, would you still go slosh around the pumpkin patch, or would you go to Is that even a qu- Harris no. Teeter, or would you wait and go a different day? No, we usually wait for a day that we can all go. So, like, we'll pack up the car and bring John. Not that it's a huge pack. <laughs> Put John in the car and get Sam, and we go. Right. I mean, all the way three minutes from your right. house. To, it might be five with traffic. To, to the pumpkin patch. And what about flu shots? I think October is the time to get a flu shot. That's why I always get my pumpkins and flu shots on the same day. Yeah, we haven't scheduled those yet, but we do uh, We do get those too. You're an idiot if you don't get a flu shot. Now, there are a lot of hot takes on this podcast, but <laughs> like, unless you want to get the flu, yeah. why wouldn't you get a flu why shot? Why wouldn't you get a flu shot? Especially since... Isn't usually like Australia kind of like the uh, the pregame for the flu season, and I think they had a pretty uh, they had a bad year. pretty abundant flu season. Yeah, I mean, you get a flu shot, you may still get the flu, but you reduce your chances to get it, unless you want to get the flu. 
There's no reason <laughs> not to get a flu shot. Now, I understand. You know, I would love to get the flu. If you're yeah, putting your fun. hand up and going, yeah. you know, come January, February, here's what I'm really hoping for. Yeah. My favorite team in the Super Bowl and the flu. Yeah. I'd like, like to be bedridden for three days and lose <laughs> right. 10 pounds. But if yeah. you're interested in not getting the flu, yeah. the flu shot is essentially free because right. your your health coverage is going to pay right? for yeah, it. It should, yeah. The key is when to get it. But I think people start getting the flu in about early November. You want to give your flu shot a few days to stew around and, right. and get into you. So I think mid-October is the time to right. get it. Well, I think we'll wait. We, this might be pushing it. We, we don't, for John, we don't want to do it during football season. The, the Bulldogs are, are 8-0, number one seed, and they have a bye week on, on uh, Saturday. And if they win their first playoff game a week from the 26, Saturday? The 26, yeah. And then the, the championship game would be November 2nd. Okay, I want you to know, I'm not interested in you having the flu on our trip to Hartford and then California. No, I didn't say me. I, I sh- I'll probably get it in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the time to do it. Right. Well, It, it also is the time for NFL teams to start yeah. sculpting their team. We're seeing moves made. Jalen Ramsey traded to the Rams. We saw several weeks ago, Minka Fitzpatrick traded to Pittsburgh. We're, we're seeing teams kind of make their roster for what it's going to be in the stretch drive. Remember when the NFL trade deadline was non-existent? It didn't matter. There were never any football trades. Yeah. And it wasn't really that far long ago. Uh, you know, and I remember it was like five years ago, right? And, uh, and, and I remember a couple years ago, this is probably six, seven, eight years ago, talking to Marty Herney about that on the Panthers post game show. You know, it, one of the things is, is I think that teams are worried about from a football standpoint is, especially with offense, sometimes it takes so much time to build that chemistry and, and build that camaraderie and also just, you know, trusting guys and knowing who to plug in and play and, and, and do all that. So sometimes I think it's harder to incorporate offensive players, especially if you have a complicated scheme that takes longer to, to develop that. I think it's a much bigger thing. Well, well no, but that, that's part of it. But then there's also, I mean, there's, you know, salary cap ramifications. There's um, if, if teams are, you know, trading a player away that's a higher salary guy. They have to worry about maybe not making the salary floor. I mean, there's... I think it's the NBA, though. The NBA has gone to every team has a window. You're either playing for now or playing for the future. And every team is either all in or all out. The NFL, for the first time, is really starting to see that. It really began maybe with the Browns a couple of years ago, just outright tanking. Yeah. Well, we are not playing for this year. In fact, we're trying to lose this year to set ourselves up for the future. It seems to me we now have that coming to the NFL where teams are all in. Pittsburgh has never not drafted in the first round. They lose their quarterback. They trade a first-round pick for a corner or a safety. Now you've got the Rams trading two first-round draft picks, but it's a window thing. How long are you going to have a core? They went to the Super Bowl last year. They've kind of struggled a little bit this year. They could very easily, the old-school thinking would be, Things aren't going that good. Let's stick to the plan. Let's stick with the process. Even if we don't have an unbelievable year this year, we'll bring everybody back next year. That's gone out the window. It's the, we have three years or four years to win a Super Bowl. This is our core. Let's add to it. And if it hurts us down the line, so be it. We'll figure it out then. 
Yeah, and that's that's been an interesting kind of change in philosophy because now you're right, tanking. Well, there's a couple teams that could be tanking right now. I mean, obviously we know the Dolphins. Redskins won their first game, uh, and it's interesting too. I think Dave that in the past there hasn't been as much of that buy-in, or there's been the buy-in, but there hasn't been that that sense of needing to get a guy now. And I, I thought, I mean, two number one draft picks for Jalen Ramsey. That seems. I mean, Jalen Ramsey he, is a terrific player, but this has way more to do with what the two franchises are saying. The Rams are saying Jalen Ramsey is going to make a zillion dollars. Yeah. We're happy to pay him that money. Jalen Ramsey is going to be a key cog for us now, next year, maybe the year after that, and we're not worried about five or six years down the line. What's Jacksonville saying? They're saying this guy was a malcontent. At some point, he's going to have to get paid, and we can get two first-round draft picks for him. It seems to me it is much more risky for the Rams. The, sure. the, the Jags are cashing in. Yeah. They've got a guy that doesn't want to be there. He's not going to be there long-term. They're securing some assets. Fantastic. And the Jags, who with their present team could probably be eight and eight, nine and seven, seven and nine competing for a playoff spot. Aren't happy to do what teams have done for generations, which means let's just get in that wild card race. Let's try to sneak into the playoffs. They're saying three years from now, we want to try to be in the Super Bowl. That's the new school thinking Super Bowl or bust from the Rams standpoint. It's much high risk, high reward. Add a great player, but at what cost? However, everything they've done now for two or three or four years is geared towards right now yeah. and in the immediate future. It makes sense for both teams. But if it blows up, the Rams will be in major, major trouble down the line. Well, a team that uh, is signaling some trouble right now with a big quarterback change is Tennessee with Marcus Mariota going out, Ryan Tannehill in. You also saw uh, the other uh, top quarterback in the same draft taken with Mariota, uh, Jameis Winston, struggling. Uh, you know, he's been up and down. Oh, five, five interceptions? <laughs> five interceptions. Is... You call that struggling? Yeah. <laughs> is, is that bad? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting uh, to see what Tennessee does. Tennessee is an interesting team in the standpoint that they – They've looked the same now for several years. They're not really that bad. They're competitive, but no one's jumping up and down about them either. I mean, they're two and four in a division where it's not impossible. Everyone could be three and three after this week. They're very much still in contention, and they essentially toss aside Mariota, who has been disappointing but not horrible for Ryan Tannehill, who was disappointing but not horrible for about five years with the Dolphins. I, I mean, like, it seems like they kind of have two guys that are not the same style but have basically produced the same results. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, it's, it's not like the we are going to put the franchise in the hands of Daniel Jones or somebody that, you know, you think might be your answer long-term Ryan Tannehill is a space holder. 
I mean, is it possible that he's a legitimate NFL starting quarterback? Yeah, but he's not going to be a, a top of the mm. league, top half of the league yeah. quarterback. Yet they're still in contention. Like, I understand the frustration they've had with Marcus Mariota, but to go to Tannehill, you have to think that he gives you a better chance of winning. And and maybe he does, but it seems now very difficult to believe that they're going to go back to Mariota. He, he doesn't appear to be the future of the franchise. And in the same way that Tannehill was in Miami and they just ran out of patience with him, I think those guys are legitimate NFL quarterbacks. I just don't know if they're good enough to win and certainly maybe not your, your starter. This is Bearded Carcast, Mike Chico, Dave Freeman. Follow us on Twitter at Bearded Carcast. You can now listen on Stitcher in addition to iTunes Leave us and a SoundCloud. Yeah, review us. We need to get those reviews up. So and we need more people to email us. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. Carlisle's, we do appreciate your your weekly, sometimes daily emails. We do appreciate seriously, we do appreciate it. Uh, we also love getting investment inquiries from overseas, particularly we do. princes, uh, royalty, bank managers. It's nice to hear from yeah. them. That's beardedcarcast <laughs> at outlook.com. So we talked a little bit about NFL players and teams, but what about the bigger issues? There are two things kind of percolating this last week, and I, I find them both really, really interesting, though I suspect we're not going to come up with the, the grandiose answer right now. But Jim Nance said during the broadcast on Sunday, the onside kick is dead. Yeah. Teams are 0-16 this year. Is it dead? Yes, because uh, reading that article, uh, when you look at the restrictions placed on the kicking team, you have to be one one yard behind the line of scrimmage, and you can't get a running start until the ball is kicked. It's almost impossible to get in position to retrieve the ball. Okay. Obviously, it hasn't worked. Yeah. They've made it very, very Now, difficult. I will say this, because um, I think I know where you're going with this. I don't think you do. Okay. Well, I have seen, uh, and again, it's a harder thing to do, uh, the execution is, you know, everybody's focused on that 10 yards. I remember, I want to say it was like 93, 94 with BC, uh, and they had a kicker who, uh, who could kind of drop it like 10 or 15 yards behind that. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I think the strategy is maybe... You kind of did know where I was going. Is there a team, a coach, somebody in the league that has something up their sleeve? They haven't had to use it yet. Maybe they're leaving it for the playoffs or a really key game. Is there somebody that's got that pooch it to the middle of the field? Or is there a tactic that would work because the traditional onside kick has become extremely difficult to recover. Yeah, that's something that's probably just going to have to be worked out in practice. I, I, my fear about that is is trying to pooch it or do some sort of, you know, fifteen to twenty yard kick, is you know eventually teams will then just play up. Um, so I mean, it's it's a gimmicky, not gimmick, but it's probably something that can only work literally once. How about this? Is it actually a problem? that it's so difficult to recover onside kicks? 
Well, it, it there's an excitement, though, of having the ability to get the ball back. I mean, it, it's something that you almost don't really see in any other sport. You know, I mean, I guess maybe you could have some trick inbound play and steal the inbound. But, I mean, that's, again, that's something that's only going to work once. Uh, with the onside kick, it just gives a team – it gives a team that's behind, you know, uh, but, a chance. But if you know you can't get an onside kick, you should be thinking about going for it earlier in the fourth quarter or even in the third quarter. It should change your thinking for not just the very end of the right, game. Right, but – well – in, in a situation where you're behind big and then you storm back, but in a situation where, you know, it's a close game in the fourth quarter and then a couple things happen and it gets away from you, that that's harder to, yeah, that's harder to do. But I mean, no, I agree with you. If you're down like 21 going into the fourth quarter, yeah, then you want to think about, I mean, should you be thinking about onside kicking earlier when you normally would conventionally kick the ball down the field? Cause you just cut it to a to possession or th- exactly. Yeah. Cause the surprise onside kick might have that exact yeah, element. Sure. The, the, well, that's the sh- when you can kind of mortar kick it and you know get it in behind that the, the, between the first two lines of the, the okay. receiving team. Now, obviously, the reason the onside kick is more difficult to get now is because player safety. Sure. I mean that that is a they very, want to very the collisions. dangerous Absolutely. Yeah. part of the game. Yeah. So we've talked before about the fact that kicking may eventually leave football altogether. It's all of those collisions. Is there an alternative to the onside kick that you would be for? Is it okay to have? I, I heard something that I had never thought of before. I've heard the make it a one play. You have to gain fifteen yards. Well, it's like the AAF can, thing, the like the fourth and twelve from the like whatever twenty eight or right. Pick your yard line. What I just heard recently was the two and one solution. You go for two. And if you convert moving the ball back to the 15 or 20 yard line, you get the ball back yeah. also. Well, and, but the, I, if I read that correctly, uh, you would move the two point try back to where the uh, PAT is. Right. Yeah. And then you, and you make it and you get the ball back. I think that's interesting. Well, here's the interesting about the thing about that is would that be, uh, and we're just spitballing here. Uh, I, I kind of like the idea of that, and but could you see a team like New England if if they like employ that early on and just start blowing teams out? Yeah, I mean, I mean like, you have to make it, obviously. I just think there's a lot of options. Sure. Like you can determine all of the possible rules you want, but you could have the conventional one point extra point. You could have the two point extra point. You could have the two and one. What if you? forego the extra point to just get the ball back. Like there are a lot of different Mm. ways you could go about doing it. You could make for a lot more strategy. Well, I don't know if you could forego the, forego the PAT to get the ball back. That just seems like too much. um, You're getting too much in return for not giving up something. Yeah. I mean, I mean like what about you you could integrate timeouts into it if you right. wanted or challenges into it like there are a lot of ways to go about it now it's becoming like a parlay okay okay we'll we'll give up a timeout right and we'll take the ball at our own two to get the ball back right well but but that's it right. like you can't get it for nothing right it can't be easy just like an right. onside kick isn't easy yeah. and, and maybe it is as simple as you run your on your your extra point what, play. What, so if you did like a game you're like name that possession so i'll, I'll take the ball from well, we, we talked last year 
about my friend's idea. And I still like this idea for overtime where as opposed to you flip a coin, you have a bidding process. You say, yeah. I want the ball. I'll take the ball right. at the 15 yard line. The other guys, I want the ball more. I'll take the ball at the 10 yard line. The other guy says, I want the ball. I'll take the ball at the five yard line. Well, what if you said to the other team, I want the ball back. I'll take it at my own one yard line. That way you're not thinking about running three plays. If I don't get a first down, kicking it back. Like yeah. there are a lot of ways you could go about it. I that that I don't know. That seems a little bit extreme. I think it's hilarious. And uh, you know, but that's why we need a spring football league, Dave, is to to put some of these practices. Well, think- well just like the um because if you think about it, the USFL and there's a lot of reasons why the USFL didn't succeed. Uh, and a lot of it was because um, owners and teams stopped being fiscally responsible. But there were some interesting things that came out of that. You know, replays, one of them, um, the two point conversion came out of that. So I think that's where, um, you know, that's where I think maybe the, the league should be more involved in their own spring league. Because I think done properly and with the right financial constraints, I think it could be successful. Now, the AF didn't get a chance to get a full season under its belt, uh, unfortunately, because I think it would have been interesting to you know see what that league could have the done AAF in three years. The AAF failed, but I still feel like I did when we talked about it, that people have an appetite for yeah. football. I, like, But these leagues— But it's do- NFL light, so that's why the salary—I mean, everything should be less. It shouldn't be comparable. You shouldn't try to be competing with the NFL as far as big salaries Minor and all league baseball stuff. works. Yeah. Minor league hockey works. Why wouldn't minor league yeah. football work? Yeah. People like football more than they like baseball, more than they like hockey. Minor league basketball works. The Celtics just bought their G League team. Now, like, 26 to 28 G League teams are owned by the parent organization. There's no reason it shouldn't work. And maybe it eventually will be the NFL will start their own developmental league because the NFL will have the backing of it and they'll be behind it and they'll integrate their own players and coaches. And maybe that's what has to happen. But like, I don't see why that product wouldn't have some sort of interest and success. Well, there's, uh, there's the obvious entertainment value uh, and and you're competing at a time generally, you know, later in the year, you're going to start going up against the time, your playoffs will probably end, uh, you know, somewhere after the NFLs. They're depending on the schedule. I mean, it depends on when you start. You could do it a million on when you different start. ways. Yeah. You could do it just like the G League and run your season parallel to the NBA season if you wanted to. It's Wednesday. What are you going to watch on TV tonight? You're going to watch a baseball playoff game. Oh, wait. There, there is no baseball right. playoff game. It's raining in New York, and the NL series yeah. is already over. Throw on a minor league football game where I know that I might see these guys on Sunday in a week mm-hmm. or two. They're part of my favorite franchise. They're up and coming. Decent chance you're going to watch that. Because what did the AF do? They started right after the Super Bowl, didn't right. they? And that's what the XFL is doing, too. Yeah. How, how about this also? Because the other big thing being discussed in the NFL right now is the officiating and is the instant replay and the way they've changed the rules. Why not use those things in a minor league, just the way that baseball has used the Atlantic league to test a bunch of rules. You can take this minor league and you can do anything you want. And that way for a year in the minor football league, pass interference is challengeable. You see what it looks like. Yeah. You, you, Get a, a free run at looking at it. And then if it works out well, you implement it. Instead, we essentially now have an NFL rule on the books that people are using collateral, using their challenges on 
that they refuse to overturn. Well, that's what I said. I think so. The entertainment value is the, is the is the one reason to do this league. The other one is to tinker and improve the game and, and do things to to make the game better. You and I have talked about this a lot. In fact, I want to say it was last year on on the very same podcast, the Bearded Carcast, and you can follow us along at Bearded Carcast on Twitter. Uh, and I don't want to say I was an early proponent of this because I don't think I was the first one to think of it, but I, I, I do think the time has come for an official, a live, uh, an official watching the broadcast live from each stadium that that has a say in in calling flags. Because sometimes you just see something even live on the TV screen. Yep. That that so I think it's time for that integration to happen. That, when I, the NHL added a second referee, this is ten twenty years ago now. People said. Oh my God! They're going to call so much more. This is a disaster. The game's better officiated now. Right. They also got rid of the two-line pass and you tag up offsides and all these things. They created a better game. And you can also keep your experienced guys. So you know, a guy that maybe can't run down the field as much, but still has the vision yep. and the knowledge. I mean, that that person can kind of convert into and and maybe kind of like. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, you have the referee. You know, like in hockey, you have the the captain and you have the the assistant captain, right? Well, it'd be kind of like the same thing: referee and assistant referee, it, it, who's maybe an experienced guy watching the game feed live. We have the ability now to communicate, yep. so they can talk live to each other and be like, "Hey, wait a minute, this is what I saw up in the booth, and I think this is the right call." And then you know, and then you kind of that's when you bring in New so York. So, what do you do that. about Monday night's game where the Lions got called? for two hands-to-the-face penalties on the final drive of the game that the Packers went down, scored, and won. I mean, that that's not a reviewable play. Well, that goes back An to what Bill referee. Belichick wanted a couple years ago, right? It's like, let's just review, like just make everything reviewable. I, my thing, though, is, um, and we talked about this last year uh, when, when the uh, the passing interference rules were changed, um, which is which has not been adjudicated like anyone thought it would. I mean, everybody, I mean, I was concerned that maybe it would slow the game down a little bit. Uh, the, the, I think the issue with it right now is glaring stuff isn't being overturned. And so I think only one has been overturned, right? Uh, I think 15 or 16, or it might even be more than that. How many times? I'm, have, but nothing recently. I yeah. mean, since week, whatever it is, right. two or three, right. there have been no calls. I changed. mean, it's almost like the officials are kind of, putting their feet in the turf and saying, we're not going to overrule this because this I is... Mean, it appears that the rule is on the books so that when there's a big play in the NFC Championship game, they have the opportunity yeah. to change it. But what they're saying is, in practice, you're just wasting your challenge. We're not going to change right. a call. Yeah. I mean, like, and that's okay, except it's very confusing and people are using their challenges and right. losing those well, challenges. Well, and here, but it's the same thing as... I, I view this, David, it, it, the way it's playing out is it's the old something's not a foul uh, or something is a foul during the game, but in the final minute of an NBA game or a college basketball game, it's not a foul. And this is almost like the reverse of that, right? So, or the same kind of concept. It's like we're not going to call it until the game's on the line. Um, I think that's dangerous. I think you need that consistency because it's like the strike zone uh, for a pitcher. You know, you can't have the, you know one strike zone for five innings, and then all of a sudden you well, change the strike zone. What about the ball? Zone. It appears they're using a different baseball in the playoffs. No, David, it's the same. The it's the same batch. <laughs> it's the same batch. Come on, uh, isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Who came up with that idea? We're hitting home runs at a crazy, unbelievable rate. Oh, it's the playoffs. Let's switch the ball. Seriously? Well, all right. So I have actually done a little bit of reading on this. Um, so apparently, this is so. What happens is Major League Baseball takes a portion of the baseballs. Uh, 
from from the regular season batch. They stamp the playoff ball. They they stamp the playoff seal on it, whatever, and then they use those balls in the playoffs. Now, apparently, some people like I think it was uh, uh, I don't know if it was uh, Baseball Ref. Somebody w- has been kind of keeping an eye on this. Apparently, what's happened is the ball has kind of become less juiced in uh, I guess late August and September. And those are the balls that are being used for the playoffs. But, but what do you mean the ball has become less juiced? So I just think it's um, – well, I'm using an uh, – what's the expression? I'm, uh, apparently, because you know, I'm not testing these baseballs, but apparently – You're not? I'm not, no. Huh. Uh, yeah, I know. You think that'd are be you something the coach? I could do. <laughs> am I the coach? Who, who am I? Why am I here? Um, uh, so I think there are different times throughout the year where they make the baseballs. Um, I don't think they just make them in one batch. So I think that there's some. Now this is where it gets, you know, interesting because uh, you you may recall this baseball um, and one of the team owners, the Padres owner, uh, actually partnered up to buy Rawlings. Um, so now the balls are made in Costa Rica, and they are, you know. So when the Padres are at the plate, <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> No, but it, it is interesting, right? I mean, part of the reason why uh, I think they, they wanted to buy Rawlings, and it was interesting, they bought it from Newell Rubbermaid, uh, and they bought uh, they bought Rawlings like two years before that. So, um, what, what's, uh, so what's interesting is, you know, baseball's thought was, you know, I think they wanted to buy Rawlings to keep the price of the baseballs down. Um, but what it lends, but it does lend itself to crit- or questioning legitimacy. You know, the baseball clearly and people have done studies on them, and the, there are changes in the baseball. They're trying not to have all these different conspiracy theories out there, but I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, from, again, from what I've, from what, if I'm reading what I, the articles I, I wrote properly is that, um, is that everything is, quote-unquote, the same, but clearly it's not. Level of interest in the baseball players. We talked about last week, three Game 5s. Really, only one of the Division Series Game 5s was, was excellent. Have you been watching the championship series? Well, now I'm I'm kind of starting to get dialed in because uh, I, I I am getting excited about uh, the Astros, and we talked about anybody but the Yankees. The Astros and Yankees series is a really good series. Yeah. There are compelling storylines. Obviously, the two teams are terrific. The Yankees are an easy team to cheer against, but uh, I mean, and I think the Astros are an easy che- team to cheer for. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so yes, I am excited about this. Um, I, I don't know. I, to me, again, I know these games are played on the field, and the Astros, as we tape this, the Astros are up two one. Um, I just think the Astros are deeper pitching wise. Did you watch the Cardinals and Nationals last night? Uh, I actually did not watch the clinching game. Did you watch no. the Democratic debate? I did not watch the Democratic debate. So what did you do? I had to do laundry last night. John laundry. Had, yeah. So Instead my of wife's game out of town. The NLCS. Yeah. You did laundry. I did laundry. Uh, did you know you can watch baseball and do laundry? Yes, but uh, no. So we got home late from practice. He had football practice yesterday uh, until about seven. Then we ate, and then we came home, and I started doing laundry and doing some other stuff. I, mean, I was kind of loosely paying attention to it, but I did not watch it, no. I didn't watch either, but I didn't watch because I watched the first inning. The game seemed like it was over. Right. The series was over before Sure. I mean, it was inning. 3-0. I mean, they weren't coming back from that. And that's the crazy thing. You see that 3-0 overcome in sports once in a blue, blue moon. It doesn't happen real often. And it certainly didn't seem like it was going to happen to a team that's got Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin. But the idea that you can just turn off a series because you think it's over and then, you know, potentially miss 
the the buildup, the, the four straight games, obviously you'd re-engage after one win or two wins, but it's not like you had anything else of unbelievable importance going on. Yet game four of the NLCS, you just didn't watch. And, and essentially I didn't either. But if you think about it. Is there an <laughs> NFL playoff game that you wouldn't watch? I mean, it depends on circumstance. It's the reason why the NCAA tournament well, and I mean, the yeah. NFL playoffs have it right. Because a best of anything series can easily get out of hand. Whereas that one game format is just so compelling and prompts the big upset more frequently. But also how we, like I said, you know, I was kind of monitoring that game. How we view and how we follow now has changed because of you know you can get the pitch by pitch on your phone you can get you know updates you can you know you can have alerts to your phone so it's almost like you can multitask and and then catch you know and catch up when you want or even jump in when you want you can jump out when you want too you can say well you know what this game's getting out of hand i'm gonna i'll just keep an eye out on my phone so i think that has that's a big effect on eyeballs i think you see but you that. can always change the channel you can always check in on a game I mean, 25 years ago, no, but, if you weren't no, but, watching, you could check in. Oh, it's two nothing. Right, but I think that no, but the the but the difference now is alerts. Yeah, well, no, see, but now you could always check in on a game. But you, 25 years ago, if you weren't listening to the radio uh, before the internet, if you weren't listening to the radio, you had to watch the game. Right, but I mean, you could be in the house. The TV could not be on. You could be watching something else. But, we've, but our viewing habits have changed. Check. Back then, if you turn the TV on, you generally were going to stay in front of the TV. That's not necessarily the case now. You can do a bunch of different things. And now you've got laundry. And now you got laundry. I yeah. think you had laundry then too. Yeah, I'm just. But I'm telling you, our habits are different. You know, they we are. Used to, we used to. Uh, I mean, f- for instance, you know, I remember in the summertime, in the '70s, you know, it was Monday Night Football. Keith Jackson, uh, you know. Uh, Howard Cosell, like that was appointment television for us. Um, you know, watching the games on Sundays, Red Sox games, all that stuff. Now it's like you can kind of, again, you can kind of drift in and out. You you certainly can. Yeah. So I, mean, I know you could have done. So game four of the ALCS should be an important game, right? I mean, the well, yeah, I mean, can tie the series or, or the right. Astros can go up. Yeah, it's 3 1 or 2 2. Appointment television? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Game five? If it's a two-two series, appointment television. Well, what once if it's you become one, I think it's still the same. I mean, three-one I think has less cachet, obviously, than two-two. Um, but three-one's an elimination game, so you know, I think once you get to this stage where it's an elimination game, it's it's something that you know I think most people will be watching. Yeah, I just it, it's interesting to me. It's the ALCS and it's two really good teams. You would think every game would be equally as important and relevant to a big sports fan like you and I. Yet in the NLCS, it's game four of the series is three nothing. Neither of us are really, you know, putting anything, you know, in in I mean we're doing laundry instead of watching. But the you game. know what's interesting, and this is not a knock on on the guys calling the games now, but you know, I also feel like there was a sense of twenty years ago, it's like, oh, Vince Scully's doing the game. I'm gonna listen. You know, I mean I just think maybe to you and I, but I don't think most people I mean, like, but now I'm starting to get concerned. Are people going, I'd like to listen to that bearded carcast, but I've got laundry to do. <laughs> no, the bearded carcast is great. It goes along great with laundry. It does. It does. Do you have first Hold on a minute, let's change the cycle. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's throw the let's throw the wash in the dryer. 
Okay, let's make our uh, our NFL picks for the week. We're both four and two, which is pretty darn good. Oh, look, the Patriots play another bad team this week. I can't believe it. And it's another uh, double-figure point spread, right? It opened up at 10. What are you seeing it as right now? Let me look it I up. Have, I have 10. And uh, remember, I think that was... Was that 16 the last time they played? It was. I know it was... It was um, in that uh, 15 to 10 range. It, it, it opened up this week at 10. Now, remember, yeah, there's some nines and some tens. Obviously, the Jets won last week. They got yeah. Darnold back. They're playing at home. So there, there is some interest or, or some uh, thought that, you know, they are better than they were. And, and they should be with Darnold. Right. Now, the last time the Patriots at home won by 16. So at nine, that's interesting because the odds makers are saying that the Jets are better by a touchdown with, with Sam Darnold than they were without him. Well, no, but it's a home game. I mean, that's a six-point change in the spread. Three points for being at home. I don't interrupt you, do Three I? to neutral, <laughs> three back at home. Right. So if, if you won by 16 at home, right. you should win by 10 on the road. See, that's why you're the gambling guy, and I'm, I'm not. So what do you think? You know, Dave, I've been riding this train all season long. You know, sometimes I'm taking the high over, sometimes I'm taking the under. Um I, I still think, though, even though Sam Darnold makes them a better offensive team, it doesn't change the fact that defensively this team gives up a lot of yards um, and they're um, you know, not great against, uh, you know, they're allowing teams 24.6 points per game. New England comes in uh, holding opponents to eight points per game. Eight points a game. Yeah, eight it's points incredible. a game. Number one in the league. So I think, again, I think the the Patriots are going to win. I'm going to take the Patriots. Uh, so I'm going to lay the points here, right? Is that the yep, right terminology? You got it. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to lay the points here. I'm taking the Patriots. I think um, the Patriots' defense is is going to clamp things down. Now, granted, New England's offense, you know, uh, somewhat some issues uh, on the wide receiver. You know, guys keep getting hurt. Lost another fullback. Lost another fullback. Lost a, a tight end last week. Um, so that's going to be that. That's going to be an issue. But they always seem to make things work. And here's the other thing: um, New England with uh, a mini buy playing on Thursday night. You give Bill Belichick a little bit extra time. Uh, a, a team that they've already faced just a couple of weeks ago. The Jets are not facing Jason Garrett this week. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I, I I think all those factors are why I'm taking the Patriots. Yeah. I'm going back to the Colts. Um, I think they're the best wow, team. Wow, you like the, the Colts. I think like riding the Colts. I think they're the best team in the division. Yeah. I've thought that all year. They're coming off a bye. I think it's a massive coaching mismatch, and I'm laying less than a field goal. I'll happily take the Colts minus one against Houston. I've been good with the Colts this year, and uh, I, I like them. And that division is also wide open. That, I mean, that, yeah. that, that game, the winner of that game— puts themselves kind of in, not in control, but in the best situation in the division. Give me the best uh, the best coach when I have that opportunity to take it. Bearded Carcast. Follow along on Twitter at Bearded Carcast and send us an email. We love to hear from you. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. Send a review. Send us a review on, uh, you can do Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud. It's how you can get a hold of us. All right, let's wrap up with this. Yeah. You sent me an article. I don't even understand the story. You, you're going to have to explain <laughs> it. The LA Kings yes. are 
I want to say blacking out. They are covering yes. a banner right. at the Staples Center. Yes. So Taylor Swift in 2015 had a concert at the Staples Center where supposedly was the biggest crowd ever at the Staples Center. So they rewarded this by uh, putting up uh, a banner. Okay, let's stop right there. Yeah. How many arenas have you been into your life? Hundreds. Easily. Have you ever seen it. an arena that put up a banner for a musical act? I can't recall. That's like no. I like I, I now, started, I've seen rodeo champions. I've seen NBA I champions. I NFL article champions, and I, I I'm like, players. Why does Taylor Swift have a banner at the Staples Center? That doesn't make any sense. No, but that's the uh, so that's the story. So um, now where it becomes kind of relevant uh, is that um, apparently the Kings have not been able to get out of the first round of the playoffs since. This banner was hung. And obviously, it's the banner's it's fault. It's completely the banner's fault. I don't know what else it yeah. could be. Not the four check, not no. the goaltending. It's the banner. Right. So uh, so now what, what has happened is, uh, now the, the Staples Center is refusing to take this thing down uh, because uh, I guess they, they, you know, for them, from if you're marketing an arena, it's, uh, it's making something big of, of a concert and, and something that maybe somebody will someday and Taylor break. Swift's a good name to be good connected act. with. Uh, so I think they're just going to cover it. Uh, Every it's game, not going to be coming down. They're yeah. going to cover this yeah. banner. So haters going to hate, Dave. This is ridiculous. First of all, no, but here's the other thing. No, but here's the other thing that we have to mention, too. The Kings were cup winners in 2012 and 2014. So they haven't gotten out of the first round. They haven't been cup winners since this banner was hung up. Right. I mean, like, the, the premise of this, that a banner has something to do with how your hockey team right. performs, is ridiculous. Yes. But even more so than that is, why is there a Taylor Swift banner in the arena, and whose job is it now that they have to, each game, spend their time and effort covering up this banner? Can you explain to me superstitions like purity? Like, have you been wearing the same underwear since the first Patriots championship? I'm like, that's your lucky pair. Like, like this, this is ridiculous. No, but it just goes back to um, sometimes crazy things happen uh, at during spans of your life, and there's something there that triggers that thought. And sometimes that becomes the reason why it did or did not happen. But it's not the actual. I know. Reason. It like. Like that may be present. Okay, so every time I hear Loverboy, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Every time I hear Loverboy's, everybody's working for the weekend. Something bad happens in my life. Really? I am not kidding. If that song doesn't pop into the end of this podcast right now <laughs> no, and it immediately no, it's, ends, no, it's it's no. Well, we we don't have the rights to the music, Dave. You can play sixty seconds. I'm not playing sixty seconds. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was a time where. Uh, uh, way back in the day, I, I'd be watching Red Sox games, and if I wasn't sitting in a certain way, the Red Sox wouldn't score runs. Really? Yeah, I'm serious. Do you think that's what it was? No. You but don't? I, no, I, now I don't. Back then I did. Does your back hurt? <laughs> no, not... <laughs> um, my my favorite one, I think I've told this on the podcast. You're a Boston guy. You have to have friends that if they don't drink at least a beer every time the Red Sox are up, well, then the Red Sox will never win a game anymore. So, like, their fact that they're getting shit-faced each game, well, I mean, they're just doing their best for the team. All right, so in elimination games, if there's a Boston team in an elimination game, 
um, I have to have at least a six pack of Sam Adams in the have house. Have to. Have to. Have to. Have to. If it doesn't it's tradition. work, I mean, it worked four times. Right. What about the other at least times? four times? Well, four times with the Red Sox. Right, but but the Patriots have lost several Super Bowls. Yes. Sam Adams' fault? Um, one, maybe one, no. Why not? Because well, it wasn't their fault because I didn't go get it. So you lost the Super Bowl. I I may have. So so when when the Patriots fans get oh no 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 I'm sorry I was at a party and I didn't bring beer with me I think that was the issue so that's, that's just that, a party foul that doesn't have anything to do with anything else that that's or just... maybe I did I don't know I, I for some reason I know I didn't have Sam Adams no I did switch it up one time and I uh, I grabbed a Ganny I had a Narragansett. Yeah, how did it, it go? It worked, but it was a, it was a championship series. It wasn't. It was a division series. It What's your favorite Sam Adams? St- still to this day, it's the original. Um, I do like the um, the IPA that they came out with. Um, I forget the name of it because they have like six IPAs now. The first IPA I like, and um, I think the New England IPA is, is pretty good. The I'll tell you the the one that's kind of underrated is the the uh, the winner. One of the, the they had a white that I really yeah. liked for a while, but then I think that got folded into like the the spring ale. Yeah. Or well, something. they did that. Well, no, yeah, the, the summer ale they've kind of tinkered with too. Yeah. I feel like that's that, that used to be really good. Uh, yeah, and I think they they tinkered with it, and it's not the same. It's not the same that I remember. Is Sam Adams your favorite beer? Like all of their brands. Um, that's my, my go-to right now. Uh, my IPA go-to is Highlight, which is Cigar yeah, it's City. Good. That's really good. Um, and actually they have a, um, like a wheat beer that, that my wife really likes called Florida Cracker. Uh, we went to, uh, Clearwater. I don't know that we talked about this on the podcast. Sam and I went down to, uh, Clearwater. Oh, Beach. spring training? Yeah. Well, spring training in, um, October. Hmm. Yeah. So now, winter training. Did you have Sam Adams down there? Did no. the Patriots lose? No, but I got, uh, they have this, uh, Mad Beach, Madeira Beach Brewing. That's uh, a great little brewery. Uh, we got, I brought some glasses back. I couldn't get a. I couldn't. I didn't think I could smuggle a growler onto the airplane. Did they have a Taylor Swift banner in the brewery? No, but Dave, it's the kind of place you would have liked, and the food was really good. It was eclectic. The uh, they had, you know, uh, it, it's a big, long place. It's a second story of like a two story uh, building. It's part of um, in Madeira Beach. It's uh, like a little bit of a. Every beach town has it. This is not on the water. It's it's across the street from the water, and it's just on the um, just inside of the the waterway from behind. But uh, you can do you know it's it's just a long bar. They have these long tables, so it's kind of communal. Uh, they do have a normal bar, uh, but they have this long kitchen. And the cutout. Of, I didn't realize this until we went back in to buy stuff. But the cutout of the kitchen is actually they cut out a side of an old school bus and they painted it up and they slapped it on the wall. That's cool. And, and those are the type of cool places we're looking for. If you know where Winthrop is going this season, look at winthropeagles.com. Take a look at the schedule. Mike and I will be traveling to all of the road games. Find us a cool restaurant, somewhere that you've been to, somewhere that you can vouch for, somewhere that you can tell us what to eat or where to go, or if there's something cultural in the area where we'll be traveling, send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com, and then we'll go, we'll say it's terrible, and we'll rip you on the podcast. (laughs) It's going to start off uh, with Hartford. Uh, On the same trip, we're going to go to California, uh, Northern California. We're going to, Dave and I are going to... well, everyone's going to San Francisco, and then Dave and I are going to stay in San Francisco. Uh, we'll play Fresno State and then St. Mary's. And what I didn't realize, uh, 
so Dave very kindly said, hey, uh, you know, when we go to California, uh, we're going to have to figure out where we're going to stay. Uh, so, yeah, so here's some hotel options. I said, absolutely. You know, you, you stay with your family. I'll, I'll, I'll stay close by. Uh, found a great courtyard by Merritt. Looks like there's a lot of stuff nearby. And then I expanded the, uh, I expanded the map by like, a thousand yards, two thousand yards, and I saw San Quentin. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it, it's amazing. Nicole, my wife, had some friends come out to California when we were there one year, and they just couldn't believe they they just, they couldn't get over the fact. I mean, you can see the Golden Gate yeah. Bridge. Well, I've driven by it. Yeah, Tiburon. You yeah. can see Sausalito. These are some of the nicest area codes, rich yeah. places in the country. And there is San Quentin, like right in the middle of it. I mean, where San Quentin is located, if you knock down the prison and you sold that real estate, it would oh, go wow. for hundreds, hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars. Yeah. It is. It, it like the racetrack I went to go, growing up, Golden Gate Fields. My dad and I used to say the bathroom in the turf club at Golden Gate Fields has the best view of any restroom in the country. I mean, you look out the <laughs> look out the bathroom window, yeah. you see the Pacific Ocean and the Golden Gate Bridge <laughs> and San Francisco's skyline. It's unbelievable. I, San Quentin is on amazing real estate. Yeah. And... If I don't like, you know, if I'm sitting in the middle seat and you're taking up too much of my room on the way, we'll just drop you off there, save the money on the Marriott. And we're not that far from uh, Folsom County Prison, too, where uh, you know, obviously Johnny Cash did Yeah, but famous. most importantly among where you're staying is it's about an eight-minute car ride to my favorite <laughs> restaurant in the entire world. Oh, good. All right, we'll have to check that out. Brush up on your Spanish. See, <laughs> si, senor. All right, uh, that's it for us on the Bearded Carcast. Follow along at Bearded Carcast. And don't forget to send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com.